0: podcast of Moore is afraid of the dark but not really podcast number five this week we're talking about the tale of the twisted claw so sit back and enjoy the podcast hello members this week we're talking about The Tale of the Twisted Claw, which is told to us by resident Shy Guy David. Um, as a special note, this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark first aired in Canada in 1990. So, without further ado, let's get started. As I mentioned before, this episode is unique because it was shown in Canada on Halloween in 1990, but it did not air in the United States until 1992. This episode was used as a pilot episode for Canada. The fact that the States got it two years later actually makes a lot of sense, since the Midnight Society looks a lot younger in this episode than in the previous episodes. If you look back at my blog post 1.5. I mentioned watching an interview with Ross Hall where he said he was 16 at the time of the pilot. That means by the time that the series actually got picked up by Nickelodeon and Canadian television, he was already 18. This would account for why the cast looks so much younger from the first season to the second season. But that's not why we're here, to learn interesting facts. Let's get started with the summary. So the opening to this episode is actually very unique in that we don't see the midnight society first in fact we're brought into a tale that's already being told there's a kid and he's on a bed and he's having a nightmare about a shadowy figure coming at him Um, but he realizes it's a nightmare so he wakes himself up and he turns to the side and says not again only when he turns again he sees the figure and screams only it's not the kid in the story screaming it's kiki and kristen reacting to eric's story The rest react with excitement, especially Betty Ann. Betty Ann asks Eric what happens next, to which Eric replies he doesn't know, as he has not finished writing the story yet. Betty Ann is excited that it's a cliffhanger. Gary seems somewhat disappointed. As Gary mentions, it's almost lights out, and the gang still has not had a full story. This makes you wonder, do they have set time limits for meetings? Who is in charge of taking the minutes? I would imagine that the storyteller is the one taking the minutes and then, I guess, printing them for out for the next meeting? If I was a member of the Midnight Society, I'd volunteer to take the minutes. At least that way they would have, like, a chronological order of who told stories and if they were good or not. Anyways, Kristen asks, tells Eric, rather... He should not have called a meeting without a full story. Eric becomes defensive and says he does not see anyone else wanting to tell a story. They all look at each other until David speaks up and says he has a tale he has been working on and it's ready to be told. Kristen mentions that it's been a while since they had heard a David story, but... Not to us, because the last story we heard was a David story. So this makes me wonder if these campfire scenes weren't shot in chronological order, and if the people who put the series together didn't already know what tales were going to be told at what point in the season, because the statement doesn't make any sense to us, the viewer. David gets a little bit of harassment from the rest of the Midnight Society, particularly Frank, which I find hilarious, since he's the one who brought Frank into the group in the first place. So David... Grabs the bag of non dairy creamer, throws it into the fire, and says, Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. I called this story The Tale of the Twisted Claw. The story begins on Mischief Night, which is apparently the night before Halloween. I have never heard of it, so maybe it's just a thing in Canada? I don't know. It is the story of two friends, Dougie and Kevin. Kevin is the more daring of the two. Dougie is the one with common sense. Kevin decides they should prank Miss Clove, who is rumored to be an actual witch. So you might be wondering, how are they going to prank her? Well, I'll tell you how they're going to prank her. Kevin and Dougie run up to Miss Clove's front door, knock on it, and then when she answers it, Kevin sprays her in the face with some shaving cream, causing her to walk backwards trying to get the stuff off her glasses and knocking over a vase. Dougie immediately feels bad. He kind of freezes, and you can tell he just kind of wants to apologize and make it all good. Kevin, who I'm convinced will one day knock over a liquor store, feels no remorse and runs off pulling Dougie with him. Miss Clove, she just kind of stands on her front porch with shaving cream still on her face, and she does this evil cackle that goes on for way too long. But I mean, she's a witch, so... She probably has to do it for legal reasons. The episode now flashes forward to the next night, Halloween night, and Dougie is waiting for Kevin to go trick-or-treating. The night's off to kind of a slow start, with Dougie wanting to go back home when they're in front of Miss Cloe's house, and Kevin gets the bright idea to trick-or-treat at her house. Kevin is quick to point out that, since they have costumes on, she will not recognize them. So, they will go up, and they ring the doorbell. Miss Clove answers the door and they say trick or treat. She's at first confused, although I'm not sure why as a witch she should know when Halloween is, or at least that is what I learned from the movie Halloween Town. But I don't know how factual Halloween Town is for actual witches. She just kinda of stands there saying trick or treat? Trick or treat. Like she doesn't really know how what to make of that phrase until it hits her. And she's like, ah, trick-or-treat. She tells them for being two brave boys and her only trick-or-treaters that she has a special surprise for them. She goes into her other room and brings back a box. It's a very nice looking box with satin in it, I think. And she opens it up and enthusiastically tells them, It's the claw of a vulture! She obviously cannot pronounce the word claw because it's a claw. The boys are both kind of creeped out by it, but she reassures them it isn't real. It is made of wood. And that rumor has it, it's been cursed, and the person who has the claw has the ability to be granted three wishes. So Kevin, being a used car salesman type character, says, wait, does that mean we each get three wishes, or is it like 50-50? Miss Clove reassures both boys that it's three wishes apiece. Well, the boys initially don't want to take it, and they tell her that's just too generous. They finally give in, and they reach in and take the claw. And as they're doing that, Miss Clove says to them, kind of, omniously, careful what you wish for, as they just might come true. Now, they didn't seem too worried about that, but it has to do with the moral of this episode, which I'll discuss later after I've done the summary. So after visiting Miss Cloves' house, Dougie wishes they could go home and stop trick-or-treating. The claw glows this green color and moves, and the boys walk through the park. Once in the park, they are attacked by a gang of thugs, or as David called them, a gang of punks. They can somehow manipulate their voices to sound robotic. I'm not really sure how they can do this. Maybe they secretly had an auto-tune microphone and they were taking turns like switching from one person to another, it's not very clear. Anyways, long story short, they forced the boys to give him their candy, and the boys decided to run away and hide in two garbage cans. As this event is happening, we can hear Miss Clove laughing in the background, so the boys decide to call it a night and go home. So if you're keeping count, that was Kevin's first wish, and it came true, and there was a consequence to the wish. The next day at school, Kevin wishes to beat Bostic in the 600 during field day. The claw moves when he makes his wish. During the race, it looks like Bostic is going to win until a dog comes out of nowhere and attacks him. Once again, we hear the laugh of Miss Clove in the background. Bostic collapses into agony, clutching his leg and Kevin wins the race. Because this is an earlier episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, it was very common in the first and second season to be mid-story, only for it to cut back to the Midnight Society for a quick exposition of what was happening. And in this case, we cut back to the Midnight Society, where Kiki says, They each used up one wish. And Gary says, And something evil happened each time. I would not say it was evil, but more bad luck. Eric the Idiot says, I'd wish for a million dollars and take my chances. Kristen asks, so what happens next? Did you guys like my Eric impression? So at this point in the story, David has the rest of the members eating out of the palm of his hand. He knows he's in for a home run with this story. So David continues the story. That night, the day after Halloween, Dougie's parents are going out and Kevin is coming over. Kevin brings his gold medal with him. Kevin is very proud of winning the 600. Dougie, the only one with a conscience, feels bad and says that they should just go and apologize to Miss Clove about breaking her vase. Kevin disagrees and wishes for Dougie's parents to die. Just then, the phone rings, and Dougie is told his parents have been in an accident. He freaks out and breaks the phone, because apparently breaking the phone is a regular response. Dougie says he wishes his gramps was around because he would know what to do in this situation. Kevin is quick to remind Dougie that his grandpa is dead. Just then, we see Dougie's grandpa's car start riding down the street. Eventually, after the slowest drive down a street, it pulls up against the curb of Dougie's house. So if we're keeping track at home, they have both made two wishes at this point. Eventually, whoever is in the car comes up to the door and rings the doorbell. Both Kevin and Dougie kind of freak out about this because Kevin doesn't want to see zombified Grandpa, and Dougie, he remembers he has one last wish. Kevin begs Dougie not to make the wish, and they kind of wrestle and struggle in the hallway when Dougie gains the upper hand, and he says, I'm going to make the wish that we should have made from the very beginning. And Dougie says, I wish none of this ever happened, and that we did not break Miss Close's face. The claw then has, like, uh, I'd say a whitish smoke come out of it, and it disappears. But someone is still ringing the doorbell. Kevin is scared and hides under a table, while Dougie mans up and opens the door. When Dougie opens the door, it is just his parents who have forgotten their keys. Dougie's mom tells the boys they should raid the fridge for ice cream. Just then, the doorbell is heard again, and the boys open the door to find nobody. Only a vase and a note saying trick or treat. David ends his story. Then we get a shot of the Midnight Society and the look on their faces is utter disbelief. Like Betty Ann has her mouth wide open. Which honestly is kind of funny because it's like she wanted to say, WTF David. Also, Betty Ann makes this face again, but it is a kiki story and she is looking at a Polaroid of herself. So maybe she has self-esteem issues. Eric looks bored out of his mind, and Kiki looks like she was about to fall asleep. Kristen looks around at her friends as if to say, Come on guys, it was not that bad. Then they look at each other and decide to throw David a bone, and I assume, pretend it was a great story. But you cannot hide from the facial expressions which are priceless in this episode. This was also David's last tale for season one. The character only lasted one other season. It's now time for the final thoughts of this episode. Thank you for joining me once again for the summary slash review podcast of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of the Twisted Claw. So going into this episode, now that we've reviewed it and summarized it, I feel it's only fair to give my thoughts on it. My first thought is I wish that this was shown on Halloween in the States, as I think that would have been a good introduction to the show. I am somewhat disappointed that it aired two years earlier in Canada than the States, as it makes continuity within the Midnight Society seem off, since they all look relatively younger in this episode. And keep in mind, Ross Hall even said himself that the pilot, which this was the pilot in Canada, was filmed two years prior to the series actually being picked up. So he went from being 16 in this episode to being 18 by the time the Phantom Cab was filmed. My second thought is, I do not remember seeing this episode when it aired on Nickelodeon. Well, I don't remember actually seeing this episode, um, I'm sure at some point it aired again and I must have seen parts of it. In a rerun because I distinctly remember the beginning of the episode like distinctively seeing it and thinking oh this is interesting this kid is scared and he's just screaming and then it would cut to the midnight society that part I remember the actual tale itself I do not I had written in my notes I had written the blog entry I had made a note that this was the first time I'd ever seen the episode but like I said thinking back I probably had seen it before but I just never made the connection every time I go to record the podcast or when I would go to do my blog, I would sit and I'd watch the episode before I recorded like a day or two in advance in case I needed to make some new notes and just to have a fresh perspective on it. And that's what I did with this episode. I rewatched it, I think two nights ago, today's the fifth. So I rewatched it on the third, actually. Yeah. On election night, I rewatched the episode. Now, if you're wondering how I was able to rewatch it, Voodoo has, um, well, they call them Seasons. It's actually Volume 1 through 10. And they were on special for twenty nine ninety nine, And it's the complete first run of the series. They aren't in any particular order. So you'll have to go to, like, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Wikipedia to get the episode order. Correct. But other than that, you can watch every single episode digitally on your TV from Vudu or on your computer. My third thought for this episode was was I wish we could have gotten a full story of what Eric was telling in the beginning as that seemed to be a better story or at least scarier. He lied to us as he never finished it or at least not on camera. That story legit looked really good but it also kind of looked like it was a mixture of tale quick silver because of the demon in that episode trying to be um, locked away into the crystal. Or even the Kristen story, uh, the one with Bob had Goldwaith, which I think was called The Tale of the Final Wish, because that involved a girl who would have nightmares. Um, Either way, this story never came to fruition, at least not for viewers on screen, but it looked like it would have been really good. My fourth thought is that Gary mentioned that it was Almost Lights Out when Eric couldn't finish his story. That makes me wonder... What is the set time for the meetings of the Midnight Society? Do they meet at midnight? And in another episode, Gary mentions that it's a school night. So they obviously don't meet on the weekend. So really, what time do they meet? So those were my initial thoughts for the episode. I had mentioned earlier how Miss Clove kind of gave an ominous warning about the boys making their wishes and that I would discuss that later. So this is what I believe the moral of this tale is. The moral is... For every action, there's a consequence. In this case, Dougie wanted to stop trick-or-treating. The consequence was they got bullied, or I guess you could say even attacked in the park, and that made them stop trick-or-treating and go home. Kevin, he wanted to win the 600 over Bostic. He wished for it, and it happened. The consequence in this case, Bostic got attacked by a dog, and potentially his leg was broken. But because at the end of the episode, Dougie makes the correct final wish, everything became undone, Kevin didn't have his 600 gold medal anymore. I mean, Kevin was kind of angry about it, because maybe it was the only medal he had. But everything was set to how it should have been in the first place. And so coming back with this episode, uh, the moral, there are actually two morals, every action has a consequence, and be grateful for what you already have, because that was also a lesson in this episode. Well, that's all I have for you folks today. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means a lot to me. You can find me on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Mora underscore 32984. That's the at symbol, M-O-I-R-A underscore 32984. Or you can always hit me up on the blog. Mora's Afraid of the Dark, but not really, available on WordPress. Coming up next week is podcast number six. It is our first Kristen tale, The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. And boy do I not like that episode. And you'll get to hear all about it. So until next time, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this podcast More Is Afraid of the Dark But Not Really, podcast number four, The Tale of the Twisted Claw. Over.